This is The Varsity, a sports podcast from The Record North Shore, your nonprofit local news site. Howdy, folks, and welcome to the latest episode of The Varsity Podcast, podcast where we discuss everything involving North Shore high school sports. From the Friday Night Drive, I'm Michael Dwojak here with the Record North Shore founding member Joe Coglin. We've got a fun episode for you guys this week, kind of uh, a little bit different than our usual format. Um, we'll do three periods for this week. We'll, we'll do uh, recap some stuff going on, um, look ahead with some basketball going on, uh, play some way or no way in the second period, and then we'll, because uh, um, we love to, we'll talk some more football. Um, we've got some stats coming up, obviously some big discussions going on, obviously also with uh, um, some proposals and that kind of stuff. So um, there's some stuff to talk about. There's always time to talk about football. But just a quick reminder before we get started, that you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that they're available. Make sure you check us out. Subscribe. That always helps us uh, get to more listeners who also love listening to uh, um, North Shore High School Sports Athletic Updates, all the interviews that we do and everything else. So um, we uh, kindly ask you to do that, and we always appreciate your guys' help um, in spreading the word about um, the Varsity Podcast. All right, let's get things started here in the first quarter where we're just going to talk about, you know, mostly a smorgasbord about basketball, um, some other stuff as well here and there, uh, kind of in the early periods now here in the winter sports. Um, But let's start things off with uh, probably the team that had the biggest win of the weekend, um, and that was uh, the Loyola Academy girls basketball. Um, The Ramblers are still undefeated at 8-0. They took down Montini last uh, Friday, 60 to 47, uh, took on Avash on the next day um, and beat them 64 to 24 before taking down Maris, 62 to 29. Um, they'll get St. Ignatius in the Jesuit Cup on Friday. But, Joe, um, you know, I feel we've talked about this Ramblers team already, um, you know, a lot and um, obviously a lot of great stuff and a lot of great talent on this team. But, um, that Montini score kind of, you know, is is really interesting to me just because, you know, Montini, you know, has traditionally been a really good team to beat them by 13 points. Montini um, has already uh, beaten um, teams like Naz and um, they, you know, are a good team, obviously, traditionally. So to be able to handle that Montini team by 13 points um says a lot about this Ramblers team that I feel like we already had in, you know, high regards. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you don't know yet, Amy, now you do, uh, even though we've been saying it, this, this Loyola team is a state contender and I don't think there's any doubt about it. Um, they're, they're deep, they're, uh, their defense year in and year out, as we know, is kind of a hallmark of that team, but this year they've added even more offense. They're experienced, a bunch of multi-year varsity players. And now they've got um, a, the new element kind of for the Loyola team with uh, that, uh, that quick, speedy, shifty point guard in uh, Aubrey uh, Galvin, who's a transfer. And uh, she gives them a, a bunch of different um, elements uh, that they can put on the court now to go with the Paige Angles, the Kelsey Langston, the uh, Morgan Bruno, Mary Kate. I mean, you can go on and on with, with, uh, people who could play on this roster um it's impressive so to take down montini uh always a good win um to do it by 13 is special then they just they beat a Vashan team by 30 i'm sorry 40 
and they beat a Maris team by 30, which uh, Maris is um, pretty good year in and year out, or at least has a good program. So uh, not much more you can say, and except I, I really think we're still building with this team since Aubrey is new um, to the lineup, uh, to a lineup that's played together for a while. I think they're going to get even better once they figure out once she figures out where Paige loves to get the ball and what Paige figures out what she's what Aubrey's doing on a fast break and same with Kelsey and mixing with those that dynamic. Um, I think it's only going to get better, at least on the offensive end. Um, their defense is, is as strong as ever. So uh, this is definitely a special team. They got big matchups coming up, too. They got Frem, they got um, St. Ignatius um, and some other ones that should be should be fun. Yeah, we'll look at some stuff, you know, looking forward um, toward the end of the quarter. But um, a really strong, you know, opening thing. And what is it about this Loyola team? I feel like we've talked about it a little bit. You know, they bring back the experience. They bring back, obviously, a big uh, um, a big name player into the program. But what is it about this Loyola program that, you know, has you so excited about their potential, you know, to be a state champion? I think just, you know, they've had the talent, of course, for a few years with, I mean, Paige is in her uh, probably fourth year in person. I don't know if it's their third as a starter, but, um, and Kelsey has been up there forever and um, they worked in some freshmen last year, now sophomores. Um, so, I mean, just the talent has been there, but now you get that extra year of experience, honing the skills and poise and confidence in those, in those skills, I think are going to be huge this year. Um, I don't think there's, defenses are going to have to plan for a lot of things when they face Loyola. Um, There's not any one way to stop them. I mean, I think in the past, maybe they've been a little one dimensional. If their shooting's really off, then maybe Paige has to like take over. Um, But uh, this, this time they've they've got it from different angles and they don't have to rely as much on their defensive performance, holding teams under 35, you know, Um, they, they could probably have an offensive defense, defensive night and outscore a team by 20 um that's how good they are not saying they will but um there's just a larger margin for error uh with that added poise with that extra year of experience and of course galvin coming over who's really an all conference if not all you know area and state type player all right sticking with the ramblers let's move on to the boys basketball team Loyola lost to brother rice 45 to 38 on friday and they rebounded with the win against von steuben and then Providence, St. Mel, like Joe mentioned, they'll also play St. Ignatius on Friday. Um, Joe, I asked you about that Brother Ice game last week, and um, we talked about how this Ramblers team maybe isn't completely full, obviously getting football players into basketball shape, maybe um, not having its full array of you know talent that it expects to have. But um, were you surprised by that score, and do you kind of look into it and being like, you know, obviously Brother Ice is really good, um, one of the better teams in the state, and the, obviously the CCL still undefeated at seven and zero. Um, do you do you look at that score at all, and you're kind of like, well, you know, you would have liked it to be closer, or they should have won that game, or how do you view that loss, especially given you know still players that are kind of waiting to get into the lineups here? I think that's that score was was rather predictable. Obviously, in basketball, you know scoring can be all over the board, but it was in that range was predictable. I think it, um, you know, we weren't there, but holding brother rice to 45 is a good goal. Maybe even closer to 40 would have been better, but, um, not scoring 40. So they lost by eight points, uh, not entirely unpredictable. You know, I, they just brought, they had an off night. 
offensively. A um, lot to do with Brother Rice. Brother Rice is also good on the defensive end. So um, it's just a team that's um, that's good but incomplete right now. Uh, I think they're waiting for 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 dudes to to get ready to go and to um, be in shape for this. And once they do, I think their offense is going to elevate, probably tick up at least an average of five more points a game, if not ten more points a game. Uh, once they get those guys going and and their defense is going to get some needed um, energy and length. Um, and athleticism. Um, so I, I, as I said last week, you know, I, I'm not going to take too much away from the score. Uh, that's completely reasonable and maybe even predictable. How long does it take for everything to kind of come together? Obviously I know you're not at the practices and you're not, you know, deeply into the um, you know, everything going on with, you know, the, the program, but how long does it usually take for guys like, you know, you mentioned before Ryan Fitzgerald, other guys like that, just to get into basketball shape having gone through a grueling season like football and you obviously also want to get some rest after, you know, playing nonstop and taking a lot of, you know, bodily damage for the past four months or five months. Uh, well, even yeah. I mean, I think it takes weeks. Um, I think it'll take till January, maybe end of January until uh, we expect them to be at their full um, potential like they should be. But a lot of times, you know, we see with Loyola that they get, uh, you know, they get well on their, on their, out of town trip over, over winter break, um, which, uh, Florida, right? Why am I thinking? Yes. Nutria goes to Arizona. They go to Florida. Um, so during their Florida trip, um, they had a nice trip down there last year. I think it's a nice time to, uh, obviously play some hoops in a little more relaxed setting, see some different competition, work on some things, um, and maybe work those guys in a little more and start getting that going. So I think, uh, you know, we'll have to wait till the beginning of the, of 2024 uh, to start seeing those guys get the minutes they're going to get the rest of the year. All right, stay with boys basketball. Let's move on to New Cheer. New Cheer picked up a 52 to 35 win over Maine South on Friday. They'll play Deerfield uh, tonight on Thursday. Um, and then they'll play Hampshire on Saturday. We're recording this on Thursday, December 7th. Um, kind of what you predicted, Joe, Maine South win pretty dominant for New Cheer team. Uh, maybe Maine South not the same level as it has competed at in the last couple of years, but still a, um, a pretty strong win for the Trevians. Yeah, nice win against a conference opponent who's who's certainly no slouch. Um, they're just maybe a step below the, the top dogs in that division once again, um, which I think we're, we're, we're to believe our GBN, Nutrier, and, and GBS. Um, uh, I guess you got to give GBN the advantage since they beat GBS. I think they beat them by one point. But um, either way um, – Nice win. Um, they did it in uh, in convincing fashion, which you like to see. Um, and I think um, we'll see what they can do against Deerfield, who's another good program. Um, I haven't actually looked at what they're looking at uh, so far this year, um, but they've um, they've traditionally had a pretty good program. Um, so I'm pulling it up right now. So they're off to kind of a mediocre start. They lost to Evanston, uh, but they played Warren tough, and we know how good Warren is. Um, got some wins there, um, and they lost to Carmel. So I, I think Nutria should be favored in this one, but let's uh, win it convinc- convincingly, um, play good ball. Um, I think they're still trying to find themselves a little bit still, obviously, this early in the season, but a good a good win against Maine South for sure. Nutria girls basketball uh, lost to Maine South 53-28. to They'll play Deerfield tonight as well. Um, were you surprised by that, Joe, just – the way that the Hawks were kind of able to control that game. 
Yes, only because that much. I expected the Hawks to win. They are also a state contender, which is going to make the sectional um, pretty pretty special. The girls' basketball sectional in our area uh, with them and 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 uh, Loyola and the same one, presumably. I, I believe they are. Um, but I, you know, I, you always hope for um, Nutria taking a step up. I do think they're improved this year. Maybe they could hang in a little longer, a little closer. Um, but I mean, Maine South's really that good. I mean, they beat. They're eight no. They beat Bennett. They're beating everybody. Um, so uh, I wouldn't take too much heat if you're New Trier. Um, and uh, it, certainly you don't let it define your season. But Maine South's really just uh, taking out everybody. So um, not nothing to be ashamed about losing to that juggernaut right now. All right, and we also wanted to talk about Regina girls basketball getting off to a 6-4 and four start uh, to the season. They most recently beat uh, Francis W. Parker 41-8. to eight. They also beat um, Ida Crown 41-23. to 23. Um, Their two losses, uh, or their 6-4 uh, and four and their four losses have come to Niles West, Mondeline, uh, Tapton, Resurrection, obviously bigger schools. But um, a, a good start to the season for Regina, Joe. Yeah, I like to see what Regina's putting out there. There, um, last year they were very young, but did pretty well. Uh, and this year they've got a little more of that experience. And um, uh, yeah, they're picking up some wins. Um, lost to some bigger schools, but um, also beat some bigger schools as well. So um, I like this team. Uh, I think they're going to do good things this year, and and especially against teams of their size, I think they're going to play really well. So just a nice little shout out to them and what they can do. Um, Jillian DeFranzia and uh, DeFranza, I think it is, and uh, Natalie Cortada are two uh, two special players. All right, Joe, looking ahead now, um, obviously you mentioned the Deerfield matchup for Nutrier, both Nutrier teams that's happening tonight on Thursday. The Jesuit Cups takes place on uh, uh, Friday at Loyola University between the Ramblers and St. Ignatius. Uh, looking at both of those games, Joe, I feel like, I feel like the girls game Loyola should be pretty, you know, favored to win that game. But that boys game is really interesting for me because just, you know, Ignatius has a lot of talent. Um, obviously they got Phoenix Gill and they've got uh, Justin Scott who um, obviously himself is trying to get into basketball shape now after uh, yeah. um, playing football and uh, flipping to Miami and all that sort of stuff. But um, same thing, Ignatius losing to uh, OPRF by uh, a point. I think it was OPRF or maybe it was Riverside Brookfield. But um, regardless, a talented team. Um, what we want to see in this matchup is it kind of a similar thing like it was with Brother Ice where, you know, it kind of feels like an incomplete and can it be this incomplete up until you find up, up until January? Yeah, I, I think um, it, it's a fun matchup early season just because I think both teams are in the top 20, if not the top 15 in the state, and they will be there by the end of the year, I'm I'm pretty certain. Um, and uh, even if with Loyola doesn't have uh, their full – are not at full capacity, I guess, uh, full, full throttle yet, um, I think that they take this game super seriously. I think, you know, we get all hyped up because the localness – uh, of uh, Nutrier and, and maybe some other ones locally when good teams play uh, loyal, you know, whether it's versus GBS or something, cause they're right down the street, but this is one they really care about the Jesuit cup. And to them, this is a huge rivalry uh, on the basketball court. Um, and I just actually talked to um, their senior star guard, Miles Bolin this week. And uh, I mean, his favorite memory of his high school career is when they beat him two years ago 
um, on their home floor during the Thanksgiving tournament. Um, so it's a big deal, uh, and they're going to pull out all stops. I think they're playing at Loyola University, if I'm not wrong, so a uh, fun place to play, too. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. That matchup is always uh, always a good time. But uh, uh, that's everything that we've got for this uh, portion of the first period. Why don't we move on over now to the second period where we play our weekly game of way or no way. I throw out five propositions, and Joe and I argue or agree upon whether that could happen way or no way it cannot happen. All right, Joe, we're going to focus more on some other winter sports here uh, to start things off. Uh, way or no way, you think that girls gymnastics can get back to to the level it's been competing at uh, previously to last year and now return to the state uh, finals. I think they certainly have the capability um, with another year, you know, their star performer is Clara Cosgrove and she's back. And, um, you know, in the first meet, at least um, she took every, every event, um, which of course uh, led her to take the all around, but I think she's a special state qualifier and and should return there maybe in the all-around if she stays healthy of course gymnastic health is a, is a huge issue uh, but they've got other performers back as well uh, Sammy Mills is another one and um, I think they're certainly capable of it they, they put up a 136 in their opening match and of course there's lots of things to, to happen before playoff time but I think 141 142 will get you there so they got to get up um get up in that range and I think it's possible so sure yes wait yeah I think it's a way I think this team has always obviously showed the talent that it has so um I wouldn't be surprised you know if it's uh getting back there and uh um trying to uh you know compete after there especially you know I it's like I wouldn't you know it's a down year when you don't make the state finals I guess for new cheer that's just how things are when you have the expectations so high but um yeah I think definitely you know they want to get back to that level so it's a way I think they have the talent it's just like you mentioned, Joe, it's just having that injury luck and just being able to be like, all right, like we are not injured and not having a hard time. So um, I'd go with a uh, away there as well. All right, Joe, uh, looking at wrestling here, we've got a lot of talent, uh, especially in the rankings with Loyola. Um, way or no way you think that Loyola can contend um, as a team, as we, as a team, when we get to the playoffs. Ooh, um, I'd have to look at the sectional, you know, this area is pretty good. Of course, it's pretty good in a lot of um, <laughs> sports, but um, I mean, if they're in the same sectional as like a Deerfield or um, it, it could be tough, you know, Mount Carmel was real good last year. I doubt they'll be in the same sectional as them, but um, yeah, I'm not sure, but I, I do know that they're certainly top heavy once again. So it depends on if you filled in those, the whole lineup with talent, but that's where, uh, coach wants to go. That's where he's always talked about. Let's get to the point where we're competing at, for team championships. Um, and with guys like Quinn Herbert, Kai Calcutt, um, and there's a couple freshmen who were freshmen last year, now sophomores, um, who went down the state. So uh, it, it certainly got the top dudes. I just wonder if they fill in their lineup. So I'll, I'll be optimistic and say, wait. Yeah, I feel like with wrestling especially, it's, it's it's such an interesting thing where it's like you could have like the number one wrestler in the state. You could have like a couple of good, really good wrestlers. But if you don't have that depth to pick up all the points, you know, your dual score isn't going to go as well as you want it to. But um, I, I think Loyola has a lot of talent. Like you mentioned, Joe, you mentioned Kai. There's obviously James uh, Hamilla, who's a, a sophomore, Gavin Padrilla. Uh, as a sophomore and all these guys are like ranked along with you know Herbert and and, um, and uh, Kai so 
Um, I would go with Way. I think, you know, um, whether that means comp- competing for a state title, I'm not exactly sure. It's hard to get to state, especially with the way sectionals go and that kind of stuff. And um, it, 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 it's it, it, that is probably one of the tougher uh, ways to get to state. But um, I'll go with Way. I think they, you know, they have the talent to do it. It's just whether they have the depth to do it in order, in order to compete and um, really put together a, a strong lineup. All right, Joe, as uh, our fans here uh, love to know that we uh, love hockey season and how long it is and how it pretty <laughs> much takes up the entire school year. Um, there have already been uh, – Glenbrook North leads this way, but there have already been 21 games played so far in this hockey season, and there will probably be 70 more games played based on how long things go. Um, Loyola, though, is number two uh, with uh, the second amount of most of points. Um, with 29 points in uh, 18 games. Uh, way or no way, you think that the Ramblers, you know, can truly compete for a state championship this season? Yeah, I think so. I think they've got a real good team. I think it's going to be um, – they should be there till the end. Um, and um, it's not completely unusual. Just, you know, sometimes they get overshadowed by a Nutrier or a GBN their top teams um, playing real well, but I, I certainly think they can. Yeah, I would say that. I think they definitely think they can too. Again, it depends on the matchups. Does Loyola and Nutria play against each other in the semifinals? Does, you know, how does that all kind of break down? But I wouldn't be surprised if this Ramblers team um, made it all the way down the state and uh, um, the state championship, I guess I should say, and, and compete for that because, you know, they've got the talent they always have. It's just about, you know, surviving this long uh, grueling schedule and competing for that. And with that, let's move on over now to our fourth question here. Nutria Green is um, third in the league with 28 points in 16 games. So um, obviously a few games uh, behind the Ramblers and only a point down. Uh, way or no way, Nutria Joe, Nutria Green is the favorite um, after a really obviously a great season last year. Yeah, I don't know if they're the favorite. Um you know, they lost uh, a lot of guys from last year. And just if we look at um, the early season tournament, uh, the the O'Grady Thanksgiving yeah. tournament that Loyola hosts, uh, Nutria and Loyola lost in the semis. So, um, you know, you got to with that talent in that um, tournament. So maybe they're not quite where they need to be in terms of uh, talent, uh, in terms of uh, success yet. Uh, but I think they can certainly get there. They've proven that they've had slow-ish starts and, and come on at the end. Um, but I don't know if they're the you can call them the favorites right now. Yeah, I think this speaks deeper into like just the growth of the sport in the area. It's no longer Loyola. It's kind of the same argument you can make with lacrosse, where it's no longer Loyola um, and Nutria. Obviously, GBS's and GBN's programs have grown really uh, well. Um, Ignatius has grown really well, like Forest. Um, you've got York, you got Stevenson, you got Fenwick, um, and you got St. Bayer too, has really kind of put together a strong program as well. Um, so yeah, I don't know if I would say exactly a favorite. I think they're obviously going to be really good and one of the better teams in the state, but um, I don't think it's as clear cut, you know, as it has been in the past. So um, I am going to go with a no way here as well. All right, Joe, to wrap things up, let's go to boys swimming and diving. Obviously, Nutria has a great program, no matter whether that's the boys or the girls when it comes to swimming. Um, Way or no way, uh, you think that uh, this Nutria team um, as a whole can, you know, kind of redeem after finishing second last year and win a state championship? 
Well, that's certainly their goal every year is this to just get to the point where they're uh, they're peaking and they can rack up the points at state. Uh, it's just depending if it's going to be good enough. I wish I could. Um, I had in front of me what um, what those other teams uh, are, are returning this year to see how they stack up, but they'll be right there. Um, they've got enough returners to do that. Um, so it'll be special um, for them. It's just, um, can they rack up the points? So, uh, I, I, I mean, I'll say away. Yeah, I'll say away. I think it's just, uh, it seems like it's a three, you know, a three horse race, usually between Hinsdale Central, Nutrier, Stevenson. Um, obviously, when it comes down for the, you know, team state championship and a lot of these types of events, you know, it comes down to, you know, how, what's your depth? It kind of is what we talked about in wrestling, you know, how good is it? Is it going to be able to compete with all that stuff? So, I mean, um, yeah, I, I, I think that, you know, Nutrier will obviously compete for it. Nutrier will be a, a a favorite, I'm sure, one of the favorites to compete for it. So, way I think, uh, you know, it's another season, it's another winter, and Nutrier boys swimming and diving will compete for um, not only, you know, all the different things that they compete for in the area, but they'll uh, compete for the top prize in the state. All right, let's move on over now to the third period, which uh, we will talk about, um, you know, just obviously we always want to talk about football, a lot of stuff going on in football now with districts. Um, we had our mocks uh, put together by Steve Susie put out there this week, so make sure you check those out at FridayNightDrive.com. Um, Steve put a lot of time and effort into that and got a lot of opinion from a lot of coaches on that, so make sure you check out, um, you know, what a district potentially could look for, like for both Loyola and Nutrier, uh, they'd be in the same district. Uh, just a little bit of that giveaway there. But um, also looking back at the season that Loyola, Nutrier, and Highland Park had. And, you know, Joe, when you have a state championship, obviously there's a lot of good stuff there. But there are a lot of interesting stats and a lot of interesting things that, you know, uh, Loyola, Nutrier, and Highland Park did this year. What were some of the most interesting things that uh, you kind of noticed when you kind of put all of this together? Yeah, sure. Let's start by pointing out the All-State guys in uh, Mike Baker from Loyal Academy, kicker, punter, slash uh, wide receiver. He also had um, about a dozen catches or more this year um, for them, but obviously he's an, he's an All-State talent, and um, um, he's going he's gonna to play some college ball somewhere. Um, and uh, Dave Finfer in Class 6A for Highland Park, uh, their quarterback, and uh, I guess I'll start there with his stats because they're pretty cool. Um, he, he, he racked it up. He had, um, 2000 yards, uh, throwing with, for 22 touchdowns. And he added another, uh, 700 yards rushing with 14 more touchdowns. So a uh, really impressive year for, for David, um, his senior year, multiple year starter, three time all conference. So congrats to him. Um, some other, um, Highland park things that st stick out big year for receiver, Johnny Walker, 52 catches, 737 yards, six touchdowns. Um, and on the defensive side, Tyler Glazer had 75 tackles and 16 for loss. Um, so that's a pretty special season as well. Um, Nutrier's big thing to stick out, obviously a disappointing year um, for them overall. They lost a couple super close games, um, games they really had in the bag with Evanston and Prospect. Um, you flip those two, and obviously they're a they're a six win team and change things around. But anyway, that didn't happen. But still, put some things together. We had um, Miles Kremaskoli led the way. He had fifty catches, but for eight hundred and sixty nine yards and six TDs. He's going to Ohio. He'll play there. Um, really a, a, a remarkable wide receiver. He also had I think five interceptions for them on the defensive end, um, in playing kind of part time as a defensive back. Their uh, running back, Jackson McCarry, in his senior year had 780 yards and seven scores. 
um, and he caught um, passes for I think another another uh, hundred uh, two hundred or so. Um, so those were the big ones. Dylan Jeppy was an All Conference linebacker senior. He added eighty tackles, um, including seven for loss. Um, so that was big for them. And now going to the big boys at Loyal Academy, state champs, undefeated season, all that good stuff. Um, we talked about their um, um, All-State player. They also had the offensive player in the year in Ryan Fitzgerald, the quarterback, the lineman of the year in um, Joe Kelly, and the co-defensive player in, um, in Quinn Herbert, correct? Or did I mess that up? No, Jimmy McGovern, Jimmy McGovern actually. So um, Ryan Fitzgerald threw for 2,056 yards and 20 touchdowns, only one interception, and he added 712 rushing yards with 14 touchdowns. Um, Drew McPherson, um, he had, I'm adding those together real quick, uh, 1,400 total yards, and that is for uh, 11 touchdowns, nine rushing, two receiving. He was obviously big, um, kind of a dual threat guy. Nicholas Ar, uh, Argundade, Ar, Argundade um, had 721 receiving yards for eight touchdowns. Of course, they played more games than a lot of these teams, um, but still impressive nonetheless. And that defensive unit, Quinn Herbert with nine, they, they, they had so many guys with more than with more than 40 tackles. But Quinn Herbert led the way with 91, uh, Colin Schneed with 90. Um, Ethan Hogg was 70, I'm sorry, was 64, but he also had 10 tackles for loss and four and a half sacks. Joe Kelly had, um, six and a half tackles for loss. So, uh, this was pretty, uh, pretty special group, um, here all the way. We could, we could keep reading the stats and they'd impress you all day, but, uh, those are just some of the highlights. Yeah. I, f- I felt like the Ryan Fitzgerald, uh, stats were kind of interesting to me, um, Based on, you know, I, I put together uh, our first, you know, all CCLESCC team and um, choosing the quarterback was a, a really tough thing. How you choose between, you know, Jack Elliott, Alessio Miljovic, uh, Ryan Fitzgerald and Logan Malachuk. Obviously, you got three state champion quarterbacks there and then another quarterback made the semifinals and is considered to be the best in the state for uh, the senior class this year. But, um, you know, 214 attempts. Um, obviously, he didn't, you know, Loyola took him out pretty early when they knew that they were going to take care of business, which is an interesting thing. Um, he was fairly efficient, obviously throwing, completing 63.5% of his passes, uh, 20 touchdowns to one interception. That's a great ratio for any quarterback, let alone the quarterback that, um, you know, made his first, you know, starts of the season. Um, you would expect to see more of that. Just um, were you also kind of just surprised at looking at the stats? Like I, I feel like we both expected them to be great, but um, just kind of looking at them and just watching how, how efficient it was, but also just how, you know, it, it, there weren't 400 pass attempts like the other quarterbacks might have had. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you look at them and you're a little surprised. Um, but, you know, then you, 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 you think of the games you were at and how they went. And, yeah, a lot of the games he was taken out, you know, the, his backup had 62 attempts and uh, his backup had seven attempts. So, um yeah. Yeah, they're 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 different degrees, and of course, he ran the ball 107 times, and that's a combination of scrambles and design runs. Um, so, you know, for non-running quarterbacks, you know, add another I don't know 80 or so to to your attempts, and, and you're starting to get up to to a point for being a normal quarterback. But um, yeah, it just goes to show you that's the way Loyola plays plays ball, and uh, how successful he was in in kind of that I guess limited compared to some. 
sticking with the quarterback, looking at Patrick Hannigan for New Trier, obviously a junior, he played in seven games, obviously had that injury, uh, 54 of 109, which is a 54 completion rate, um, 862 passing yards, uh, six touchdowns, six interceptions. You know, we talked about him a lot heading into the season and the growth we wanted to see from him. Do you feel like the coaching staff kind of saw that from him, or do you feel like he still has that, you know, that potential there, but you didn't really see much of it this season? Maybe that's because of injuries and other factors as well. You know, I saw a lot of good things from Patrick. I just think he he got injured at a very inopportune time for them when they were still trying to fight to win every game out to to make the postseason. Um, and um, I think that um, – yeah, I think it was the – yeah, I think he missed the Evanson game. Sorry, I was trying to, trying to remember. A game they lost. So uh, pretty tough timing for them. And I think when he came back, his running game was limited a little bit. You know, um, I think last year he had 10 or more touchdowns on the ground to three this year. Um, I think his senior year we might see more of that, assuming he's healthy and throw the ball. And also it hurt him, you know, on the receiving side. No offense to the rest of the receivers. I mean – Miles led the way with 50 catches. No one else was above 15. Um, they were supposed to have a, this two-headed monster with Trey Myers. He hurt his knee in the first game of the season um, and was out for the year. So um, that that limits what you can do on the offensive end. And I, I just think that um, they had some troubles in schemes and and some other things on uh, with their blocking that, that didn't give him a lot of time. But I think Patrick's a talent. He can make the throws. Um Certainly when he was hooking up with, with miles, uh, it was a special combination. Um, but, uh, it, you know, the team wasn't that successful. So a lot of times also he was throwing in both, uh, dire situations and, um, when they were losing. All right, Joe, we didn't talk about this before, but as I love to do, I'm going to make you choose on the spot. Who was your most dominant or most impressive player, um, of the year, just based off of the three teams in our area, Nutria, Loyola and Highland Park. I mean, we have to go relative, right? Um, at least that's how I look at it. It's really hard not to say David Pinfer for everything he did. Obviously, he plays on a smaller, in a smaller program, in a smaller division, but, you know, racking up more than, you know, 3,000 um, all-purpose yards, basically, and scoring 14 on the ground, that's pretty special. Um, so I, I, he might be my pick on the offensive end, you know, regardless of, you know, if we're measuring talent levels, who knows, but um, just how dominant was he He was in the games he played and how much Highland Park needed him to be um, to make the run they did. Um, I think that uh, that was a special year. And um, got to give to Loyola in terms of, of their defense and what they were able to do. I just thought Quinn Herbert was everywhere all the time for them. And you could really pick – eight guys from that defense and, and be pretty happy. But um, Quinn Herbert had a couple interceptions. He had tackles for losses. He had sacks, he had fumbles. He, he was all over the place. Um, and I just really thought what he did was special considering coming into that full-time playing role for the first time. Um, and uh, yeah, showing out for sure. All right, Joe, any other stats you want to talk about? No, that's it. Um I read all the highlights, but it was just a special season on the gridiron. I really do. I think a lot of these guys are going to go on to do big things in college or just kind of left their imprint on the program. Um, I think it's pretty cool that if we look at the four linebackers at Loyola, we have 90, 90, 80, and 65 tackles. Uh, so that linebacking linebacker academy is what they call it. Definitely. 
Um, obviously, districts, we talked about districts last week. Schools are now voting for it right now. They have until the 18th and 19th was when we'll get the results. Um, Joe, just based on, you know, what you've seen um, and all that kind of stuff and heard, just what what are your thoughts about, you know, where we're kind of at at this point and, you know, whether you think, you know, this is potentially something that's actually going to be on the table or just something that was brought to the group and the group's going to say no? I it, It's hard for me to think the group's going to pass it with um, just some of the snags you run into are that dramatic that I don't know if you can get over it. Um, of course, now I'm going to forget some of them, but I, I know teams from Joliet might have to travel like, what is it, 100 miles or, or more in, in some of their district games? Um, I mean, that's – I mean, this isn't college football. That's pretty incredible to do. Um, so I, I don't know if it will pass. What do you think? Because, I mean, um, obviously you work with Seuss, and uh, you were able to kind of uh, look at that a little more closely. Yeah, I, I just think, you know, you mentioned the – not even for Joliet, you got teams like Edwardsville – who don't have another 8A team for another like five or six hours. And you have to potentially like travel up to, you know, the Chicago area or like some sort of like suburb in the area just to, you know, compete in road games and that kind of stuff. And you've got, I think you've got a lot of stuff like that. I think there are some, a lot of coaches I've heard and talked to have had problems of, you know, it's not a full thing. There are questions like, what do you do if you don't have enough playoff teams? What do you do if one district or one pod doesn't have enough teams? And do you just make it easier? Do you make it harder? Like, what do you do with the underclass, underclassmen teams, like the freshman teams, the JV teams? Obviously, that's not all even. So mm-hmm. um, I think the biggest thing with this is, you know, I, I, I do think there are valid concerns. I do think that there are valid, you know, it's hard to schedule. It's hard to figure things out. You know, obviously, it's hard to figure out these schedules. Um, you want to make it as competitive as possible for the kids, but you know, if you're going to put a proposal like this together, I don't think it can have so many, you know, flaws to it. I, you know, I talked about Seuss and, you know, his breakdown. There are so many questions that aren't answered in the proposal. So many coaches have talked about how, you know, like it's not a full proposal. Like a lot of coaches are concerned and saying, well, there's not really a precedent of what are we going to do in this situation? Like, what do we do if there aren't enough kids? What do we do if there aren't enough teams? What do we do if one has X amount and then the other kids have X amount? Like if there's too many, like, I feel like there are too many, too many, you know, questions surrounding this proposal and there aren't enough answers. And I, I think it's a dangerous game, especially if you want to like, they, this would take place for next football season. So you enter a, a, a difficult place if you just approve this and then you're just trying to wing it and figure out what to do, like in the months ahead. Like, I feel like you need a full proposal here um, and, you know, presented into the entire body instead of just giving um, a proposal with a lot of an- uh, answers that are yet to be, uh, you know, yet to be told. So um, I- I'm sure that they're, you know, they put this together obviously for a valid reason. A lot of schools uh, are into it, but um, I think there are too many questions, um, especially the way it's presented right now, to you know pass this and have it go smoothly. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. It's just, it's, I get the need. Um, there's a problem, got to solve it. But this is. Uh, it's a bridge too far for too many teams and, and the bridge is re- really far for some. So uh, for some areas though, I mean, it'll work perfectly, but I mean, are you willing to accept that for other areas that it's just not going to work at all? And who knows what could possibly happen? Like how those teams are going to react? I don't know. I don't think so. Right. 
You also got Proposal 17 on the board, uh, which creates an opportunity for teams to conduct a preseason scrimmage with another uh, school. Um, scrimmages will be held the weekend prior to the regular season with limited number of players who participate, no special teams, and the use of IHSA officials are allowed. Uh, th this feels like it, it should be allowed. I feel like this is kind of fun. Just obviously get some opportunity to play, you know, just to, you know, see where you're at with another team. Obviously, if you – you know, coaches get to work out who they want to play, who they want to co compete against. You know, obviously you don't want to go hard and risk an injury or anything like that. But I feel like this is uh, something that we've already seen a little bit with the new seven on sevens, but the scrimmages should be uh, um, a helpful thing that probably should pass. Yeah, I think at the very least it's worth a shot. Um, I guess if if players or coaches are starting to take it way too seriously, then, then you up the injury risk and that's not appropriate but I, I don't think that'll happen I think we're in high school and we're, we're too smart for stuff like that but um yeah I think it'll it'll only improve the football going throughout the season so I think it's a good thing all right that's everything that we got for this week's episode of the podcast thank you as always for listening this is Kirk and Ryan. you can subscribe to us anywhere that podcasts are available make sure you like us and spread the word we always appreciate it um always helps us to get to more listeners who love listening about Illinois high school sports especially in the North Shore area Make sure you check out my work at Friday Night Drive. Like I said, we've got a lot of great content right now. We've got all the mock districts up there. I've got my CCL, ESCC, um, all, uh, all area team uh, put together. We're going to be working on our team of the year um, and our offensive and defensive player of the year. And obviously we've got recruiting going on. Signing day is a couple weeks away, so the football season might be over. But we've got a lot of great content for you guys, so make sure you subscribe and donate there. And as always, make sure you are keeping up with the record NorthShore.org. Joe's got you covered for everything uh, other than sports as well. Um, he's got all your great coverage of the area. Um, so make sure you donate and support um, and subscribe there uh, too. So for Joe and I, thanks so much for joining us this week. And we will talk to you guys down the road. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Varsity uh, product of the record, northshore.org, your nonprofit local newsroom.